Well, thank you very much for joining us here today for the Night Food Investor Conference call here October 24th, 2019. Before we get the call started, please let me go through the forward-looking statements. This investor conference call could contain forward-looking statements as that term is defined defined in Section 27A of the United States Security Act of 1933 and Section 21E of the Securities Exchange Act of 1934. Statements in this call, which are not purely historical, are forward-looking statements and include any statements regarding beliefs, plans, expectations, or intentions regarding the future, including but not limited to any products sold or cash flow from operations. These forward-looking statements are made as of the date of this call, and the company assumes no obligation to update the forward-looking statements or to update the reasons why actual results could differ from those projected in the forward-looking statements. Although the company believes that beliefs, plans, expectations, and intentions contained in this call are reasonable, there can be no assurance that such belief, plans, expectations, or intentions will prove to be accurate. For the complete forward-looking statements, you can refer to the company's filings or press releases using the company's ticker symbol, which is NGTF. With that, I'd like to turn the floor over to Night Food CEO, Sean Folkson. Sean, welcome. The floor is yours. Thank you so much, Stuart. So, yeah, I appreciate that. So before we get to uh, specific questions, and we, we got quite a few uh, for this call, I, I did want to address a couple of topics. You know, we've gotten questions about, you know, obviously we get questions not just before the investor calls, but, you know, throughout the quarter and all the time. And so the, the first thing I want to address uh, is about announcing deals and specifically uh, deals related to distribution partners. Uh, I think everybody knows that we, we had uh, a recent announcement uh, with Harris Teeter that we had to delay. And I touched on this informally on our, uh, I think I posted a Facebook video, but I also wanted to cover here because, you know, there's times when we simply, you know, we can't make public announcements about certain details of the business. Sometimes it's uh, legal. Sometimes, uh, you know, we're just bound by, you know, general business courtesy that says, look, you know, if you ask, uh, a business partner, if they're okay with you announcing something and they say no, uh, you don't make it public uh, and put their name out there. So, you, you know, look, everybody who knows me knows I'm a pretty persistent guy. I, I do tackle things from a lot of angles, but at some point we just have to accept the fact that, you know, these dynamics are always going to be in play and they may impact the timing or, or the, uh, of, of an announcement or the level of detail that we go into on certain announcements. I mean, I would have loved to announce the Harris Teeter distribution deal months ago. Um, I think we knew that we were going in, I mean, I think it was before the end of the fiscal year. I think it was sometime in June. I know I was down there in May. But, you know, look, this is a massive division of Kroger, the largest uh, supermarket chain in the country. And we're never going to make an announcement like that without approval, which we we didn't have until uh, literally the day before we made the announcement. So, you know, that's just how that's going to go. And and we're going to be getting into more chains. and uh, people, you know, hopefully will understand and accept that. And the other topic also related to announcements and disclosures revolves around uh, my discussion back over the summer, and I think it uh, was initiated on our, uh, our quarterly call in late May or early June when uh, I mentioned the possibility of revenues in the millions for the current quarter. And at that time, we did have certain elements of the business that looked like they would all come together in a synergistic way that would allow for us to hit those kind of numbers. And you know, when we realized that things were not going to play out that way, we announced 
you know, that getting to seven-figure quarters was going to take longer. And, of course, we believe we're going to get there, and, but we did put it out there, and, and, you know, that's an example of why sometimes it, it might be better to wait on announcements like that. You know, we, we got ahead of ourselves there. And, uh, we do believe the elements that had us projecting that kind of quarter are still in play, and we're, we're hard at work to leverage all those elements and those relationships to drive that kind of growth as quickly as possible. So I wanted to touch on those two things. I'm sure they were on the minds of probably everybody or anybody that would be uh, investing their time on this call. So I wanted to make sure to cover that and not have to deal with, you know, all the different questions that we got over the last few months on those topics. Well, Sean, thanks for that. And before I get to the questions, I want to congratulate you personally for Night Food being featured this morning on the Today Show. Kudos to you and your company. That's a big, big coup for you. Yeah, you know, I mean, we we always felt it was going to happen. You know, not many startups, ice creams, I guess, or really any consumer brands at this early stage get featured in the national media the way that we have so early on in our life cycle. And I just think it speaks to the amazing brand story behind Night Food and the, and the problem that we're solving for, you know, for potentially millions of people, obviously, sleep and ice cream for a lot of people that's it's two of anybody's favorite things. And, and I think that going forward, investors and consumers can look forward to, obviously, we're going to uh, continue doing what we can in the national media. You know, and as our footprint, our distribution footprint continues to expand, so can the media coverage. And, I, you know, I want people to know something like this, like we didn't do it. We got contacted last week uh, by uh, somebody that was going on the Today Show, an influencer, we didn't proactively do this. These things fall into our laps sometimes. We never know when they're going to happen. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a pleasant surprise. But, you know, it got me thinking about something that I do want to address. And I know, you know, I've referred to Halo Top many times on these calls. And I think, you know, probably anybody, again, on this call is familiar with Halo Top. But I know they might not be as familiar and have studied, you know, the way we have about the Halo Top story. And for those, anybody that doesn't know, you know, Halo Top is, is a startup ice cream company that, you know, now they're in every supermarket in the country, but about four, four and a half, five years ago, they were almost bankrupt. And then two years ago, you know, they were rumored to be receiving acquisition offers of about $2 billion. So now all the stuff that I'm going to give you, this is all public information. We don't have an inside relationship with Halo Top, but, you know, we, we've studied all the media coverage and, and that's where this information comes from. And, and here's a company that was kind of plodding along. Sales were okay. They weren't great. Uh, they were living in constant danger of being yanked off store shelves. And in fact, they did lose an account, according to an article that I read. Uh, they lost an account called Sprouts, which is a pretty substantial uh, account in the nat- natural space. And, you know, these guys were struggling to stay alive. They were just about out of cash. Then they raised some money. And within a couple of years, they were doing over $100 million in revenue. And the catalyst for Halo Top was a couple of media pieces. One was an article in GQ, and the other, yeah, I should have written this down, but I think it was BuzzFeed or, or, or Bustle or Business Insider, one of those guys. Um, and almost overnight, you know, when these articles came out, the GQ guy wrote about uh, how he, I guess he ate nothing but Halo Top for 10 days. And almost overnight, the stores just couldn't keep Halo Top on shelves, and those guys were off to the races. And, you know, we're doing our best to follow that playbook. Of course, we're a different company. We have our own story, and there's no guarantee that we're going to succeed uh, at, at, at emulating what they were able to accomplish, but we do believe we've got a better tasting product, we've got a, uh, a more benefit-laden product, and, and a healthier product that obviously we think delivers more value to the consumer. So, 
the Today Show appearance today, that could be our catalyst to the hockey stick growth that everybody seeks. It could be a magazine article that comes out in four or six months or a huge celebrity might discover night food. You know, it could be The Rock or, you know, who knows, Lady Gaga, right, discovers night food, uh, you know, part of their New Year's resolution, right? So we don't know what might send us into orbit. And, of course, we might never get there or that catalyst, but we might get there through a slow and steady growth process. And remember, even, you know, when you're dealing with hockey stick growth, if you can picture that, even the first part of hockey stick growth is growth. And that's the path that we're on right now. And we do think that a catalyst will kick in because this is just too interesting and too captivating. And with our product and our positioning, the catalyst is out there, we believe. We believe it's coming. Um, And the reality of it is we may not be able to identify it in advance, right? We may not see it coming. Uh, And everything looks obvious when we look back on it, but I just want to remind everybody that things don't often work that way. And if you need to be reminded, just read any of the articles about kind of how Halo Top ascended, you know, to the top of the world. Okay, Sean, the first question comes from Steve, who's asking about something he read on a message board that said night food is no longer available in certain Meyer locations around Cleveland. Right. So during the last few months, we've learned that Meyer changed some of the stores that were available in were no longer available in three stores around Cleveland. Uh, at the same time, we've been added to five or six additional existing Meyer stores. And, and we knew about some of these. We never announced it. Fremont, Michigan, uh, Goshen, Indiana, another store this past week in Ohio. So uh, we lost three. We gained uh, five or six. And this kind of stuff uh, in the early stages will happen from time to time. We haven't, haven't gotten an explanation of why uh, this happened but like I said, it does happen from time to time. And obviously, when you get to a certain level of, of, of clout and distribution, that no longer happens, and we're working hard to get there. All right, very good. Let's move on to the next question. Then Liz asks, what do you make of the keto ice cream trend that seems to be taking over? Right, so keto, for those people that don't know, is a high-fat, low-carbohydrate, I would say moderate-protein diet. Uh, that, that keeps the body in, in a state called ketosis where it burns fat as fuel. You know, it, it's really interesting to watch this play out. Uh, the keto market is very concentrated, very dedicated. I remember years ago experimenting with keto, and, and I was trying to find, I wasn't able to eat night food bars on the keto plan. This was before the ice cream launch. And I remember walking up and down the aisles of my local supermarket trying to find all the ingredients. And it was a commitment. There was no desserts, right? So trying to find the, the uh, ingredients to make this microwave mug cake, I guess. Um, and so if, if there were a prepackaged product that checked all those boxes while I was on keto, I, I would have I gone for it too. So uh, I'm not surprised that Rebel, uh, which is the first brand out there, the first keto brand out there, has expanded very quickly. Now there's other brands entering the space, Enlightened, and I think a couple of others. And, and I just think it's going to get oversaturated very quickly. You know, I was talking to a supermarket buyer recently uh, who agreed, you know, the statistics bear it out. Keto is very hot, but it's still a tiny percentage of the population at any time. I think it's about 3%, uh, which, you know, feels feels about right to me if I had to guess. Uh, 3% of the population is on keto at any time. So I, <laughs> I don't mean to keep going back to Halo Top, but, you know, with Halo Top or Night Food, these are products that can appeal to a mainstream audience and the mainstream consumer, and there's really almost no cap on how big they can get or how much demand there can be. Uh, I, I just I don't think the general population is interested in a high-fat, 
low-protein ice cream, you know, that's going to be really high in sugar alcohols. And, you know, for these products, the fat content is going to be similar to Haagen-Dazs. Uh, it's going to have, you know, less than half the protein. Um, it doesn't taste anything like Haagen-Dazs or, or night food, um, for that matter. And, you know, if you're doing keto, that's one thing. You might be willing to make those sacrifices. But, again, it's such a small percentage of people. I, I don't think there's going to be enough keto. What I'm trying to say is there's not going to be enough keto ice cream consumption to support all the new offerings. There's going to be new stores adding new slots, and there's going to be way too much dem- uh, offer, way too much supply out there for the demand. And I think that, you know, right now we're battling against these new SKUs, these new item offerings for freezer space, and it could impact our ability to get into certain accounts in 2020. And the flip side is that by this time next year, I think there's going to be a lot of slots opening up because stores are going to be reducing the amount of slots that they uh, are committing to these ketogenic ice creams. And, uh, you know, I think that's going to open it up. So I think that, um, you know, while, while this is uh, it's a little bit of a headwind right now, I think it's going to open up the doors for us in 2020 to, to hit a lot of the distribution targets that, that we were honestly originally hoping to hit, you know, um, uh, for, uh, you know, in March of this year that we'll be hitting them, you know, potentially nine to 12 months later. All right, Sean, Jake asked about the going concern language in the recent annual filing and financing options going forward. Yeah, that going concern language is pretty standard, really, for a company at our stage that we're at. I think this is our fifth or sixth K, and and literally, I'm pretty sure every one of them has had that same exact language in there. And really what that shows, I mean, we're not profitable yet, and we don't have a ton of cash, and so we're going to need to continue to raise money to... Uh, support our growth and the company's development. Uh, there's a lot of great things in the works. We don't uh, really anticipate a problem with raising money as long as we keep moving the company forward. And uh, as always, we'll evaluate the best financing options and opportunities for the company as they get presented to us. We get contacted all the time. Companies wanting to offer us money, but uh, you know we're happy with our investor that we have. Uh, but if and when the right terms and deal come along, we will be moving on, and our investor understands that as well. So it's always something that's under consideration. All right, Sean. Michael wants to know about production capacity, why the ice cream only comes in pints, and if anybody from the company has been in touch with Kroger, Publix, Giant Eagle, Albertsons, Walmart, and Target. He also asked about the number of employees. Sure. So uh, as I said earlier, we're working to emulate not only Halo Top, but in a lot of ways, all the most successful consumer goods success stories. Uh, in most cases, you can cite from Chobani to Five Hour Energy to Halo Top to RX Bar. It's been one format that's been used to grow the brand for a long time and to a certain level before expansion um, and extensions ever occur. So, you know, I think Halo Top was around for seven years, maybe eight before they ever did anything other than a pint. Um, you know, I think in, in one to two years we may start looking, but for now, you know, we're focused on the pint market. Um, you know, we can produce enough pints right now to do uh, between 12 and 18 million in annual revenue. Uh, we're confident we can easily add additional production capacity when ready. We've already had preliminary conversations with um, 
alternative and I, I guess the better word would be redundant or uh, complementary co-packers. Um, and, you know, that, that is a switch that can be flipped. It'll take us a couple of months to get up and running, but it's not, it's not really a concern when we, when we are ready, we can, we can make that uh, addition pretty rapidly. Um, and with regard to the list of supermarket chains, I mean, those are some of the biggest in the country, obviously. Yes, we've been in touch with, with all the supermarket chain listed. I wouldn't necessarily refer to Walmart and Target as supermarket chains. And, and those guys, Walmart and Target, are not on our, um, on our list right now, our Target list, I guess you would say. Uh, the focus is more on traditional supermarkets for now. And uh, Technically, we actually have zero employees. Uh, there are dozens of people working on night food all the time. We have, we have a network of brokers and, and, and support. Uh, there's me and there's Jim Christensen and, and Tim Sullivan on PR. You know, we have a social media team. Obviously, our co-packer, when we run production, they've got a full team of employees. We've got uh, an accounting team, third-party logistics, a trucking company. I mean, a- again, you know, it's very distributed. And again, like Halo Top, when they started, um, you know, we're a distributed company and outsourcing, you know, many of the key functions that helps keep us light and able to focus on brand growth and not running and growing infrastructure. All right. Very good. Well, Albert now asks, you talked on the presentation over the summer about Nestle and night snacking. I understand why you think night food is safe from competition for now. Do you view Nestle as a potential acquirer? Well, yeah, Nestle, along with really any other large food company that sees value in the space. um, At this time, we haven't had discussions with anybody uh, with Nestle or any other potential acquirer. And you know, but Nestle in particular, their interest in this space is public record, right? I mean, not only are they the largest uh, food and beverage company in the world, but, you know, they're huge in the U.S. ice cream market, and they've been very public recently about, you know, stating that, that, that they believe consumers are very interested and motivated to have better snacks, better snacks before they go to sleep, better snacks at night to avoid and eliminate uh, the junk. And, you know, which is surprising because normally you wouldn't expect a company like Nestle to be talking so much about, you know, uh, a coming trend or, or what they think is going to be really important. Um, but, but, again, the burden is on us to prove out the category. Uh, I don't think anybody else is going to be launching a nighttime ice cream until and unless we prove it can work. Um, you know, that, that's why I think we're safe uh, from competition. And, and then if and when we're able to prove the category is viable, that's really when the fun starts because I don't think – uh, I don't think the existing brands could effectively launch a nighttime version of their existing product line. I think they would end up with too many, uh, too many SKUs, um, you know, too much cannibalization going on. If they launched the nighttime version of their brand, would people still buy the, the regular version? Would they need to replace and totally eliminate it? So it really does create a problem for, for any existing brands. Um, you know, I could be wrong on that, but that's the way I think that would play out. So, you know, that would leave the nighttime space to a few brands. Night Food, obviously, right now is the leading brand and company in the category with uh, a pretty good head start. Um, you know, what that might be worth to Nestle or one of the other uh, global conglomerates, you know, we don't know. Um, but again, unlike the keto space, the nighttime space is virtually unlimited. It um, doesn't take a mass whiz to know that, you know, literally 100% of the people that eat ice cream are sleepers. And, um, you know, you've got a very small percentage on something like keto, and, and Nestle and all the other big players know this. So, you know, I think if I had to guess, 
uh, with Nestle stating their interest in sleep-friendly snacking and knowing that the overwhelming percentage of ice cream is consumed at night and the fact that freezer space is so highly competitive, I think one of two things would happen, you know, assuming that we, night food, establish ourselves as a player. And the first one, I mean, Nestle will not stay on the sidelines, in my opinion, if we prove that there's consumer interest and demand here. They would, uh, Nestle would either be forced to step in and potentially make a play for night food, or they would need to launch their own brand and compete against us, which I believe would then force a Unilever or a Wells, you know, who, who just acquired Halo Top, uh, you know, to step in and, and potentially then they would have to start talking to us in order to compete against Nestle. But in any of those scenarios, you know, night food has a tremendous strategic value well beyond, you know, whatever revenues or profits we'd be putting up at that time. And, uh, you know, again, all this is conjecture. I don't know. We haven't talked to any of these players. Um, all we know is their public statements and their public, um, I don't know what you would call it, actions or, you know, what they're actually doing in the marketplace. All right. Well, Christine asks, what's the latest with the half-baked brand? Yeah, we're still exploring licensing opportunities. Um, regulations within the industry do make things trickier. Otherwise, you know, we had a deal that, uh, that was going to close almost a year ago now. Um, so at this time, you know, we're not planning to be in that space as an operator, we're planning to be in that space as a license holder. Theoretically, that could change, uh, but we don't want to spread ourselves too thin by trying to operate a second product line in addition to the ice cream, especially something so fragmented as, uh, as the, uh, the adult recreational marijuana uh, category would, would have to, uh, the way it would have to play out. So, uh, you know, we're, we're placing our, our confidence and our resources and our energy in the ice cream. We are in touch with a couple of groups uh, with regard to licensing the half-baked brand, and, and new conversations do pop up uh, every few weeks or or whatever. Um, you know, I do think we'll find the right partner at the right time, but uh, unlike in the past, we're not going to make any announcements until the ink is dry. Very good. Well, Francis asks about expansion out west as well as CBD ice cream. Yeah, so, I mean, we're talking to supermarket chains all over the country, Um we, we've had meetings and more meetings are set up with chains on the West Coast. It's not like we're necessarily targeting um, uh, the East Coast uh, or anything like that. And we'll know more in the coming months. Uh, hopefully, you know, we, we do want to have coast-to-coast distribution and we want to be in some of those markets out West. Um, you know, regarding CBD ice cream, you know, yes, I think that could be a thing at some point in the future. Look, there's no clear timeline on where the FDA stands on this. I've been saying it for over a year every time I get asked. Uh, I still think it's a long way off. You know, people see CBD products on the shelf and, and their lotions and, and, and things like that. This is a food. And I think it's a long way off before the mainstream retailers are willing or able to sell foods infused with CBD. The FDA hasn't made up their minds yet. Um, and I think also with all the vaping, health concerns that are going on out there. I think, I think the FDA is going to be conservative rather than aggressive here. And I think, I, I think we can get the same question in, in next quarter and the quarter after that and probably the quarter after that and probably have a similar answer. All right. Very good, Sean. That's all our questions for today. Any closing thoughts or comments for the listeners? Thanks, Stuart. Yeah, I, I just always want to bring people back whenever we talk about the company in the space. I want to bring people back 
to my touchstone, which is the belief that sleep-friendly nutrition, the category is coming, and it's going to be a billion-dollar category. And we're the only brand in the space with any kind of a footprint, any kind of a name, and, and I think we're building a very valuable company and a very valuable brand. And how long it will take to get there and how it's going to play out exactly from day to day, month to month, quarter to quarter, that's really hard to predict. I, I learned that lesson recently. Uh, but that doesn't change the vision for the future. And, you know, we're working every day to be the dominant brand in this category, which research indicates and all signs point to this is a category that has billion-dollar potential and, again, we're working hard to position ourselves as the category creators and the category captains and leaders. Well, listeners, that completes the Night Food Investor Conference call for today, October 24, 2019. On behalf of Sean Folkson of Night Food, this is Stuart Smith saying thank you so much for your time and thank you for listening.